Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Guys being dudes. What you call an icon living? Start a record label, Misfits just did it. Nylon, couple five minutes. Whoa, we are too hot in the business. About to make a movie independent. Need new trucks independent. I need you to listen to the vision. All your verses sound like dirty dishes. I'm about to clean them in the kitchen. And we making money by the minute. I'm about to do a way different. I am just an icon living. I am just an icon living. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports. We are your hosts here on a Monday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Uh, We've got a lot planned today to get into, reflecting back on some of the hot topics of the weekend that was in football, and and obviously get into some NFL draft-related items. Kyle, welcome to the show here on a Monday. Thanks, man. It's a good weekend in football. Uh, We had some uses, some bowl games. My my bowl pick'em was not too hot, but uh, you know these these early ones are they're either hit or miss. You know, you just you never know how uh, Troy is going to show out and how North Texas, if they're going to show up and play or not. So um, congrats, hat tip to the two folks in the NDT scouting 2017 bull pick that went five of six this weekend. Um, you are a better man than I. So good for you. Yeah. We're both sitting with two wins, I believe. Yes, so far, no, bu- so. no bueno. No. A lot of ball game left, you know? Yes. Very early. Um, celebrating here, Kyle, a victory Monday. Yeah, congrats um, I'm hum- on the win. Humbly, humbly celebrating a victory Monday. Um, still, still not going to get my heart too into it. You know, I, 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 the Bills. I mean, gosh, 17 years of no playoffs. They control their own destiny. 
but have two road games, two division road games at New England and at Miami. Um, they could probably have one hiccup and need a little help. Uh, but it's right there for the taking if they want it. And I don't know what it's like to watch playoff football with my team in it. I was 14, Kyle, 14 years old the last time the Bills were in the postseason. Yeah, listen, uh, I just got to be real with you. The Ravens play the Colts and the Bengals. So, the Titans though the Titans are also fluttering. So, uh, they and they play uh, Jacksonville and the Rams. Okay, so, so so could we see like the Ravens and Ravens went out and the Bills win one, which they won't. They're going to lose both, and then the Titans lose out. Or we, do, do we have we have an eight and eight? So you're telling me the Bills oh. can lose out and still make the playoffs? Oh no, no, not in that scenario because that would give that would give uh, if the the Ravens would have a better record in that scenario. Right. So the Ravens are the five seed, are they not? In that scenario, so then you would have the Titans, Bills, both at eight and eight, and the Dolphins. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just focus. On Listen, that. I'm just saying yeah. purely in the hypothetical that we're talking about, where the Bills lose out. That would put. So you're trying to. Are you trying to find the silver lining to this for me? If the Bills were to lose out, that they still have a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm. Just, I'm just being optimistic for you. Um, <laughs> listen, man. I just. I. I am so envious of the teams that have like 12 wins right now. What's that like? like, can you imagine what it's like to be like? You know, Christmas hasn't happened yet, and your team's clinched like a first round bye. <laughs> Like, I, I have, have no idea what that's no like. No clue what that life is like. No, not all. in our division, man. Not in this AFC East with Brady and Belichick. Uh, they usually have that thing clinched by Christmas like they do again this year. I couldn't even tell you the last time the Miami Dolphins won 12 games. Actually, I oh. my, my producer just pulled it up. It was 1990. <laughs> I was one. I was one year old the last time the Dolphins won 12 games. Uh, I don't even know. I guess the Bills probably won 12 games in, like, 94. Oh, but... my, my, my producer's pulling it up real quick. All right. So ju- just for um, peace of mind here, Joe, we can tell you definitively the last time the Buffalo Bills <laughs> won 12 games was 1993. Okay, so 93. I've experienced it more recent than you. Uh, I was. I, I didn't was... experience anything, dude. Huh? <laughs> I didn't know what anything was. I was seven. That was seven in '93. And you so. know what's nuts? The year that they won 12 games, they scored 329 points. Jim Kelly, man, K gun offense. That's 20 uh, points a game. Oh, you know I'm not a math guy. Is that really it? 20.6 points per game. They went 12 and four. Well, there you go. Play good defense, Bruce yeah, Smith. There you go, Bruce Smith. <laughs> yeah, tip the cap, man. <laughs> Kyle, we're getting close to this thing that we're all excited about, the NFL Draft, Let's 2018 go. NFL Draft. It's uh, 128 days away. Let's keep things in the AFC East here with our, uh, with our number. And let's talk about how many games Bill Belichick has lost as head coach of the New England Patriots, and that number is 128. Now, that does include the postseason. So, Mr. Bill Belichick has a... Uh, career loss total, including the postseason, of 128. But the funny thing is, Kyle, 
probably should be 129. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, I can't believe... First of all, that was a catch. Let's get right. let's get it out of the way. That was a catch. Uh, I saw somebody, one of the official former official microphones, Blandino or somebody like that, came out and said the goal line's not in play until he completes the process of the catch, which needs to happen because he's going to the ground as he's catching the ball. He has to finish the reception through the ground, and the goal line has no effect on the play, which I say BS. If that is the letter of the law, it's a terrible law. It's got to change. Because there was a Carolina Panthers guy that does like a front flip, and he lands on his head, <laughs> and he, when he hits the ground, his shoulder's lying out of bounds, and they reviewed it and called it a touchdown. Yeah, in my world, this is a touchdown all day long. I'm looking at this still shot of, uh, of Jesse James knee with down. the ball, knee down, extending over the goal line that Mike Fisher – uh, tweeted out, and uh, if that's not a catch, man, I don't know what is, dude. Like the implications here, you know, a home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Um, Pittsburgh got hosed, man. This is this is bad, and and I guess what makes it worse is that it was to the Patriots' benefit. And um, fix it, man. This is bad. Uh, this this is a touchdown, Kyle. He crossed the the he crossed the the plane of the goal line. With the possession of the ball. I don't, I don't know what else you need to do. And it's not even like it was just the knee. Like, the elbow comes down, too. Like, yep. it's the knee, the left elbow, the ball's clearly over. He's holding it firmly between both hands. His entire upper half of his body is past the goal line, and the rest of his body comes down, and the ball flips out. Not a catch. I don't understand. Between this news... You know, in your basically home state, I know you just recently moved out of Pennsylvania, and what's going on with the Panthers and Jerry Richardson and the allegations, and now they're suddenly for sale at the end of the season. Uh, we've got some buzzy stuff going on around our neck of the woods. Yeah, I can imagine um, when we go to Mobile, some folks be talking about those Carolina Panthers. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they well, will. Keep it, pounding. You just got to... Um, this this is one of those things where you try and get close to somebody and, and just hope to overhear something, right? Like, get a breaking news story, like, right out the bat, <laughs> just by coincidence. See what we can pull up. Joe, let's, um, let's talk about top plays. We have, uh, we had bowl games. We had our film studies. We had the NFL games this weekend. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to bring my weekly top play to the table here. And uh, I want to talk about Duke Ajayfor. Uh This was a player I watched about a week ago. And uh, he's Wake Forest senior edge defender. And Wake Forest moved him around a lot. And when I saw Notre Dame come up on the schedule, I got real amped because everybody knows Mike McGlinchey and uh, Quentin Nelson there on the left-hand side of that offensive line is a really potent duo of offensive linemen. So any of those matchups that you get a chance to see, uh, it's going to be a really great barometer for what a kid can do at the next level as far as defensive linemen. Well, the play that I found wasn't against either Nelson or McGlinchey. Uh, He's actually kicked inside. He's in the B-gap on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage. And Ajay for on this play, it's a third down and nine play. 
And what really stands out is he strings together pass rush counters incredibly well. He hits a right-handed swim move over top of the, le- of the right guard while using his left hand to kind of sweep the offensive lineman's hands away from his chest. Immediately collects himself, and there's a running back in pass protection that has stepped up behind this guard. And Ajayafor, in a matter of one yard, transitions from a right-handed overhand swim move to cutting back inside of the back in pass protection and hitting him with a left-handed swim move. So it's an immediate, it's almost like a freestyle stroke in the pool. He hits one, collects, immediately hits the other. And that's just a really great illustration of minimizing contact. He turns his shoulders and gets skinny, which is what you need to do. Diminish your surface area so that when guys throw their hands at you, they're throwing it into air. Uh, you're in a space, you vacate that space, and you replace the body that's, that has attacked you with your body. And he does that in consecutive moves very, very well. Ends up in the face of the quarterback, Brandon Wimbush. Registers a QB hit. Pass falls incomplete. Fourth down. Notre Dame punts. So play like that. There's just a lot of nuance there that really stands out as I'm going through my film studies. And something like that really gets me excited about a long-arm pass rusher like Duke Ashai for. Kyle, I'm going to keep things in the ACC and talk about a pass rusher myself. Uh, and this was a fun one because I was not studying this player uh, when I came across it. I was actually watching Auburn right guard Braden Smith and watching the Clemson game. And uh, this Clemson defense gave Auburn all it can handle. I think they had double-digit sacks in this game. And uh, the guy that really stood out on the rep that I want to talk about is their edge rusher Cleveland Farrell, who just has really, really special traits. And uh, on the particular play that stood out to me was – uh, it was a pass rushing situation where he showed, you know, one thing that you talk about a lot is the difference between snap anticipation and get off, burst, natural explosion out of their stance. And Farrell's one of those guys got that has natural get off. You can just kind of see him, his hips thrust and spring forward up the field. He quickly gets uh, gets depth and puts a lot of stress on that left tackle to challenge the landmarks around the edge track. And uh, Farrell gets that really explosive dynamic first step on him and then he he just bends the edge with a rip move keeps separation from the block runs runs the arc very sharply and comes up underneath uh Jarrett Stidham and forces a fumble and so I think what you get to see here is a really nice illustration of Farrell's get off his hand technique his bend and his length and uh, that's why Cleveland Farrell is a special prospect in this class, and I'm surprised that there's not more buzz around him. Maybe it's because he's a redshirt sophomore, uh, and and we wanna we wanna wait and see when he comes out or if if and those types of things. I know that. Look, I'm not accusing you of not having buzz. I know that you've been on it, but no, really, collectively, Kyle. Really, there's not a lot of people talking about Farrell as much as you hear uh, other names like you know Bradley Chubb, rightfully so, or uh, even Arden Key. And Cleveland Farrell's one of the one of the most exciting pass rushers in this group. I think this is uh, kind of ties back into what we talked about with Taven Bryan last week. Like I just I don't think people have watched him explicitly. You know, it, it's really one of the only like the, you'll get some word of mouth and people associate him with being a potentially high high pick through word of mouth, but I don't think you can fully appreciate 
what he brings to the table as far as the package that he has and the polish that he has and, and the ways in which he can win based off of word of mouth. You have to watch it. You have to see it. And you know, a lot of the draft media that's out there, um, they're tasked with doing NFL coverage and college football coverage and then the draft coverage. And their, their task oftentimes kind of uh, splits them into segments of the year is dedicated to uh, certain focuses, if you will. And we're just getting into, quote-unquote, draft season. So I think this is one of those names, just like a Taven Bryan, where you actually start watching guys. If he ends up declaring, it's like, oh, holy cow, this guy's a stud. Where was he? Where, like, why haven't we heard anybody talking about it? But uh, y'all listen to draft dudes. Y'all know about <laughs> Cleveland Farrell. That's all I'm going to say. I do want to give one more bonus shout-out for Play of the Week, Joe. Right. I want to give a shout-out to Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> Not for anything that he did on the field. The fact that he was on the field, I think, was tremendous. The The standing ovation he got, you know, Minnesota's up 34 nothing. about 10 minutes left in the game. Um, the Vikings decide to insert Bridgewater into the game um, after a very, very, very scary what was reported as a non-contact injury, maybe we'll never really know what, what happened. Uh, very significant injury. Almost cost him his leg. And uh, Teddy Bridgewater gets a chance to strap it up. And a couple weeks after being cleared, after a very long and difficult rehab process, uh, Teddy Bridgewater played football on Sunday. And I, I think that's a, a really tremendous thing. and want to tip the cap to him for the hard work and dedication that he had to endure to get back to this point in his career. Yeah, I love Teddy Bridgewater, man. His, uh, he, they played Florida in a bowl game uh, just before he got big, the year before his junior season. I knew right then and there that that was a, a, a really refined passer, and then he had a tremendous season at Louisville and uh, was really starting to come into his own. Very disappointed to see him go down, but really awesome to see him on the field. Kyle, I got a bonus shout-out that I want to give Let's go. As give well. it to me. It's going to be about LaShawn McCoy. And, uh, you know, he went over 10,000 career rushing yards against Miami on Sunday and something that was really important to him. And uh, I've really enjoyed getting to watch Shady McCoy over the last three seasons in Buffalo. Kind of, I had some preconceived notions about him that I was just flat out wrong about. And he's been a a tremendous teammate and a tremendous worker and, and somebody who's really just a team first guy. And there's a statistic about him that I was blown away when I saw, and this is true. LaShawn McCoy at 29 years old is the first player in NFL history with 10,000 rushing yards, 400 receptions, 75 career touchdowns, and an average rush of over four and a half yards. Not LaDainian Tomlinson, not Marshall Falk, not Barry Sanders. LaShawn McCoy is the only player in NFL history to have achieved that. That's a cool stat. Yeah, you know, every, very surprised. Every once in a while, and this is one of the things that you know I'm appreciative that you know, the folks over at FanRag, Joe, they've had us doing a lot of NFL coverage. Uh, kind of what I just talked about, you know, is, is something that a lot of draft people have to juggle. This is the first year I've had to handle any responsibilities covering the NFL, 
and uh, you uncover some really cool nuggets. You know, when you're you're digging for information on an article that that's been assigned to you, and you're doing your homework on it, so you can be educated when you talk about it. And um, that's that's a really cool nugget. I know I've come across across a couple of those throughout the course of the season as well uh, with assignments that I've had. So that's one of my favorite parts of this season for me, at, personally on an individual level, is. You know, it, it's a challenge to make yourself a better analyst all around. And um, stuff stuff like that is what really makes it a fun part of the job. Yeah, no doubt about it, Kyle. I uh, I made some waves end of last week with a, uh, with a player comp that I put out yes, in the Twitter machine, yes, Kyle. And, uh, and what's funny is this is not a guy that uh, I was first on by any means. I know that you had... I spent some time before I did evaluating Florida defensive tackle Taven Bryan, and uh, you, you know you you immediately reacted to his declaration to the NFL draft with with an article on NDT scouting that said this is immediately one of the premier prospects in the draft, and you know a player that just not a lot of people were familiar with. Florida was four and seven this year, you know. Uh, they weren't a priority watch for anybody. You know, nobody wanted to watch them play Kentucky and Missouri uh, down the stretch uh, with, uh, you know, with Randy Shannon as their head coach. But, uh, you know, lost in, in what was a very bad season for Florida is a superstar defensive talent in Taven Bryan. And so the next segment that we want to get into is talking about some of our favorite player comps so far with the prospects that we've evaluated uh, to the NFL draft. And, Kyle, this is something that is unique and new to us this year because before this year, you and I both have been very resistant to player comps. And um, I I want you to touch touch on why we are doing it this year. But before I kind of give you the floor on that, I want to say that keep in mind, when, when Kyle and I are both doing player comps this year, they are stylistic comps. They are comps that indicate that this player's game is reminiscent of this player's game, not necessarily career trajectory type stuff or, uh, you know, that type of thing. It's, it's just a stylistic thing. So, uh, Kyle, tell the people why we are doing comps for the first time this year. Right. So you know, I think what you said really can't be understated, that this is – we're not saying if we compare someone to a all-pro player that we're guaranteeing he's an all-pro. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of variables in – where a player lands, all of these things are, are very important and, you know, contextualize uh, if a player is a successful NFL player or not. But one of the things that we got a lot of feedback on, um, we've had some, some resources that we've tapped into uh, since the 2017 draft, and a lot of the feedback that we got is um, NFL personnel and uh, front office individuals really like getting a comp for players as far as an expectation for what type of role this player can be put into or fed if it needs to be manufactured um, for them to find success as a player. And they can take an inventory of that and look at the players that they have on their roster. And if there's a comparable player and, you know, that player's getting ready for contract expiration or uh, is getting ready for retirement or there's a bunch of different reasons why it would be valuable to have a vision of we can use this player in the way that 
team Y uses player A. And taking that to heart and really trying to add extra layers to our reports, I'll kind of break up some of that space at the bottom of the page that we were using for a player summary, and we're now forecasting what an ideal scheme fit and what ideal role is for a player instead of summarizing the player with a lot of the same things that you would read in a film breakdown. Um, and we're also taking that opportunity to put player comparisons in. So if you guys get our 2018 draft work, which you can sign up for over at ndtscouting.com today for $20, um, it will give you, Joe and I will each give you 300 player comparisons for 300 prospects out of this, this upcoming class. No, again, not a career pathway, but expect a team that takes this player to try to utilize this player the way another team has used the player we compare them to. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. So we've each got four that we want to share here on the podcast, and I'll 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 kind of uh, expand on the one I already teased, and that's Dave and Brian. Who, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I com- I compared him to Nadama Kongsu, the Miami Dolphins' uh, outstanding defensive tackle. And uh, when I watched Dave and Brian, that was the name that I couldn't get out of my head. I thought their game uh, and and the way that they win was very reminiscent. I also thought their their movements and their mannerisms were very similar. Um, and the first thing that really stands out about Taven Bryant is how explosive he is out of his stance and how he attacks a neutral zone with terrific leverage, power, and explosion out of his stance. And he really does a good job to pen- penetrate the line of scrimmage with a very powerful hand usage and, uh, and really work into blocks by being the aggressor and getting his hands on on offensive linemen and, and dictating reps initially. And uh, even even the way that Sue just kind of will guess, I guess, and just kind of just get upfield maybe a little bit too much unnecessarily and the way that he kind of recovers with the requisite uh, athletic ability to really just kind of get himself back into the play. I thought I saw a lot of that in Taven Bryant. And so, um, you know, Sue's the type of player that can be a building block for, or is a building block for a defensive line. And I think, I think Dave and Brian can do the same thing and the way that they win and the way that they play and the way that they move is very reminiscent for me. Yeah. And I like the, um, what you mentioned about dictating reps. That's where for me, it, it, that comparison makes the most sense. So if you're going to put him in that role, uh, expect him to get hit to hip, reset the line of scrimmage, it's all predicated around that first step, which he has. That that's very very strong. Joe, the first one I want to break into stylistic comp. As far as playing styles, uh, Josh Rosen and Matt Ryan comparison that I really like. Where I think Rosen probably has a little bit m- more upper level arm than what Ryan did coming out, uh, 
but Ryan was also the same kind of guy at the college level that liked to challenge coverage. He was not afraid of putting the ball into positions where it could be you know, potentially intercepted or broken up. Uh, so turnovers is a question for Rosa coming out of college as well. I don't see an issue there because he's he's making the kind of throws that can beat tight man-to-man coverage. Uh, Ryan is a guy that has more of a downfield passing offense, a lot of deeper set drops. I think that's where Rosen will have great success as well. He's very polished as far as his footwork and throwing mechanics, just like Matt Ryan was. So a lot of uh, similarities here between uh, the offenses that they play, the style that they mesh with, their strengths and weaknesses as prospects. Uh, So that one for me makes a lot of sense if you're not just measuring it off of what's the caliber of the throwing arm. Yeah, Kyle, I'll, I'll keep the, the, the line moving here. Uh, one comp that I really like that I've made so far this year is North Carolina State defensive end Bradley Chubb to Minnesota Vikings defensive end Everson Griffin. And I think there's a, a natural kind of pull or tendency to, to want to compare Bradley Chubb to Derek Barnett, uh, the 4-3 defensive end from last year. And, you know, they're both recent prospects at the same position that are kind of highly regarded. And so I think there's naturally some comparisons being made between the two, but I think that those are two really different players and, uh, and there's a high variance in their skill entering the league. Um, Barnett and Chubb specifically, Barnett didn't have a whole lot of variety to the way that he rushed the passer. Now what he did to kind of get the edge flattened, cut up field, you know, reduce the surface area was, was really good and very effective. But I see a lot more hand usage from Bradley Chubb, a lot more variety in how he disengages from blocks and uh, could really attack half a man and dictate reps by just extending his arms and, and being able to shed blocks. And I think that's a lot of what you see from Everson Griffin in terms of variety and, you know, similar stature and uh, being able to be, uh, one of those defensive ends that can win in a variety of ways and, you know, not necessarily the most flexible players with, with a ton of, uh, you know, bend in their lower half and, and, and in their shoulders, but uh, they have that hand technique and that power to soften angles and really be effective pass rushers. So for me, I'm resisting the Bar- Barnett-Chubb comps and I'm leaning a lot more towards the Everson Griffin. Oh. Barnett Chubb is my comp, so thanks, Joe. <laughs> I appreciate that. I would, I would definitely agree that that Chubb has uh, more variety as a pass rush uh, specialist, and, and that's something that I know uh, one of our national guys, John Ledyard, has been been very much on train with as well. So you're, so we're all in good company. But um, I'll just, no, I'll just move on since you just threw me under the bus. <laughs> uh, my next one, Darius Geis. Uh, junior running back from LSU has been a really popular name going all the way back to the summertime, actually going all the way back to last year when she took over for Fournette, when Fournette was banged up and hung like 240 yards rushing on, uh, on, on, I think it was Mississippi state. Uh, just, just destroyed him. Uh, my comp here is Dalvin cook. Um, and the reason why is I really like the balance that both of these guys have and their ability to sustain that balance through what ends up being really springy lateral cuts. Um, They cut sideways. Um, They're not necessarily sudden 
steps. Like, and, and this has been really well documented ever since the combine this past year, where Dalvin's like, everybody's expecting Dalvin to be a terrific testing athlete. And he's not a terrific testing athlete. He's just a very good functional running back. And the way that that works is step efficiency. He's got some uh, lateral spring to his steps to vacate a gap and get into another gap. His vision is tremendous. He has great balance and absorbs contact well. I think those are all things that are very ap- applicable to Darius Geis as a start- potential starting running back at the next level. Uh, very strong in the lower body. Um, the, the feet, again, are not super sudden. But I think you take that vision in which he has and you place that into the starting level or, or, or a starting role at the NFL level, and I don't have any issues with guys pressing up into the line of scrimmage, seeing an alley develop late and make that hard lateral cut to get out into the gap as it happens late. And he has the patience, just like Dalvin Cook has, to slow play rolling up into the line of scrimmage where he, he's at the mesh point, he's reading, 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 he's waiting as he gets into the line of scrimmage, and then bang, there's the, the cut back against the grain or a hard lateral step into a gap that's to either side of where he's initially pushed up in the line of scrimmage. And uh, the balance that he shows to shrug off either lateral contact or weak tackle attempts as he's working on to the second level, um, really like the one-to-one comparisons in those areas between Geis and Dalvin Cook. Kyle, my next one is going to be Washington wide receiver Dante Pettis to – Los Angeles Rams wide receiver Robert Woods. And um, I think they're similar athletes. And uh, not that they're, you know, going to be total burners and they're going to run in the four threes and just take the top off of defense. But they're still fast and they uh, run terrific routes and still are able to separate. And both of those guys, when you watch the nuance and the way that they run routes in terms of just having – terrific moves in their release and in their stem to kind of manipulate the cornerback and uh, make crisp cuts out of their breaks. Um, Very reminiscent the way that they win in that area. Uh, Very smooth. uh, Just uh, guys that can really sink their hips and really bend and turn tight angles. And then they both catch just everything. Uh, Both Robert Woods and Tante Pettis have terrific hands. They can track and catch the ball over the shoulder, working back to it, extend in any direction, catch the ball away from their their bodies with arms extended. And um, I I can see both of them kind of excelling in those timing-based offenses, exactly what Washington has where, you know, he works to a spot really well. And the same thing with Robert Woods now with Sean McVay and and Jared Goff in Los Angeles, where when he was with Buffalo in a run-heavy offense with really inconsistent quarterback play that there wasn't really any timing, uh, you know, it really kind of took away from from those strengths. And so, um, you know, I think we've seen a resurgence here in Robert Woods' career in this type of offense. And and if the same can happen for Dante Pettis, you know, I think that that he can have a similar type of, impact on an NFL passing game. It was something with timing where it really accentuates, you know, those, those crisp routes and, and outstanding hands. Joe, I'm, I'm, my next comp, I'm going to ask for an apology from you. We've already discussed this off the air. Um, I'm going to talk about 
Oklahoma offensive tackle Orlando Brown. And you already know where I'm going with this. My comp for him is Washington offensive tackle Morgan Moses, who just got paid this year, Morgan Moses. Um, Really like the length that's present. The foot speed isn't necessarily something that you're going to see from a prototypical left tackle. But anytime you've got a guy with this amount of length and this amount of power in his upper body, in his hands, as Morgan Moses and Orlando Brown both do, you can negate a lot of rushes. You can widen a lot of angles. And then from there, it's just a matter of riding that out. It's kind of, uh, uh, you see some offensive tackles, uh, Cordy Glenn being another one, that has success as an offensive tackle with really long arms, just being abnormally big. Like Trenton Brown for San Francisco is another great example, and I did not like Trenton Brown coming out. Uh, But he's turned into a really solid offensive tackle for the San Francisco 49ers. These guys are just super long, super big, and they have enough mobility, but they don't necessarily have good mobility. And uh, Moses there in Washington is part of an offensive line that they love to fire off the ball. They like their running backs to be short, squatty, physical guys that can run under their pads and uh, playing next to Brandon Scherf over there in Washington. I mean, they just blow guys off the line of scrimmage, and it's really fun. And, Joe, Morgan Moses was a guy for me that was in my top 25 prospects from 2014. So I would expect Orlando Brown, uh, his film score was really good, not great. I expect him to score in that same early second-round value, potentially pushing into, depending on how many first-round grades we have, into the top 30, top 25 on my actual 2018 draft board when that time comes around. But uh, I'll take that apology right now on the air. Are are you trying – are you really going here right now? Do you want me to apologize? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I do. Man, you really just taking this one. I um, need to. I need to find a win in today's show, and this is where it's going to come from. This is this is a stretch. Um, I have been critical towards <laughs> Kyle for like I don't know three how many years, years? Three, three three years of having these prototypes with offensive tackles, where he kind of gravitated earlier uh, to the more fleet of foot guys, but. Since he and I have been talking more and more in the last couple of weeks, it's kind of been revealed that no, yeah, Kyle was was high on Morgan Moses and Kyle was high on Daryl Williams, and so um, I now regret saying that I I'm sorry for thank you, Joe, accusing you Apolo- of having a, a prototype. But here we are publicly. Apology um, accepted. Man, oh, okay. I <laughs> can I take my last one here? Is you, there anything else you, to say? No, you may take your last one. Please do. Okay. No more accusing Kyle of prototypes. All right. Um, what do I have here? Okay, I have Arizona State running back Kalen Bellage to, uh, I guess, Pittsburgh Steelers running back Carlos Williams. Uh, he's not even in the league. He was with the Bills for one year, uh, and then he went to uh, Pittsburgh, and then he just kept on getting popped for PEDs and drugs. So, um, But stylistically, Kalen Bellage and Carlos Williams – are very, very similar to me. Uh, Both guys that are freakish in terms of their size, speed profiles, uh, big guys that can run really, really fast. Both of them are really, they they lack nuance in the way that they run the football, Uh, especially coming out. When I thought about, you know, who Kalen Balazs is right now as a prospect to where Carlos Williams was, 
entering the NFL, and he did have the, the really good rookie year in Buffalo. But guys that just lack nuance and polish. Uh, Balazs, um, man, when he goes, he's really good, but there are just times where he just doesn't have a plan with the ball, and he'll stay in the same vicinity for way too long, and he has very inconsistent vision. Um, and, you know, if it's right there for him and he just has to run – straight and hit a hole that's made for him, man, I don't, I'm not sure there's too many guys you would rather have with the ball in his hands. But, uh, you know, the snap-to-snap consistency is just not there, just like it wasn't for Carlos Williams at Florida State. And, and that's why both of those players, despite immense physical traits, really conceded carries to everyone else on their team. Uh, and, and that's been the case now for a couple seasons with with Kalen Balazs, same thing with, with Carlos Williams. So uh, if you can get them in situations where, you know, they don't have to think a lot and they can just go, uh, they can be really productive players. But uh, for both of them, just tremendous size, speed guys, lacking in the nuance department in terms of being running backs. And I thought they were very reminiscent of each other. Joe, my last one is for Jair Alexander, a uh, name who uh, didn't quite get the buzz uh, that was expected uh, based on he had a knee injury this year that, that really slowed him up, uh, removed him from a couple games. He actually came back early uh, from from this knee injury and tried to play in a couple big games, including the NC State game before uh, you know, finally getting healthy towards the back end of the season. And when I watch Jair, I'm reminded of, in his prime, Brent Grimes. As far as the stature that's there, um, Brent was one of the really good ones for uh, having terrific ball skills in spite of his size. Um, Was really effective at the catch point in spite of his size. And when I watch Jair, when he's right and when he's healthy, uh, playing at the catch point, you know, the, the foot quickness to stick the foot in the ground and really drive hard and beat receivers to the spot and play through a little bit of contact to get to the football. Um, The ability to play in in the run game and being a supplemental tackler on the boundary. Uh, When he was in Atlanta and the first couple years he was in Miami, Brent was one of the really underrated corners in the league. No, he didn't fit your prototype as far as having a lot of length. Terrific tackler. Great ball skills, a lot of wherewithal and presence of mind to play the ball in the air, play through receivers' hands, really quick feet. I think you take all those things. Now, some teams are probably going to get a little turned off with Jair, and you're going to hear some people say maybe he has to be a nickel corner. That's nonsense. He can play on the boundary. He's The traits that he has, his size, uh, I've been told he's 5'11 and 3 quarters, uh, somewhere over 195 on his weight right now. So if he comes and he plays that, uh, I think, A, that'll kill a lot of the misconceptions that you're going to hear about Jair if he chooses to declare, which I expect that he does. Um, and then you you pair bigger than what you'd expect size with the tape that he's put on the field. And, and when he's really healthy, uh, yeah, some teams might not like him because he's not 6'2", but you, know, you can have Kevin King. That's fine. I'll take Jair Alexander all day long. And that, that Jair to Brent Grimes comp is one that I see a lot of it and it makes a lot of sense to me. And that's why I'm probably going to be really high on Jair when it's all said and done. Kyle, I know that both you and I have, have done at least two Louisville games over the last two seasons. And 
everybody that I spoke with around that football team spoke very, very highly of Jair Alexander. Mm-hmm. You could tell he's just a really highly respected dude. And we got a little taste of him being back towards the end of the season, man. But if you watch that Clemson game from 2016, yeah, you're, you're seeing a <laughs> shut-down cornerback, yeah. man. And, and uh, I, uh, I wish we could have saw him all year because – you know, just kind of a missed opportunity. But I, I think that whatever decision he makes, man, there's a really good football player inside that dude. Oh, for sure. No, I was fortunate enough to see him at the end of the year this year against Virginia. And he was def- he was definitely back in that game. Um, just just short area quickness is just off the charts. Such a great quality to have for a guy if you're going to play him off and over top of routes that, that are going to break in front of his face. But, uh, Joe, I think that's going to do it for us today here on the Draft Dudes. Uh, we'd like to thank everybody who took the time out to listen to today's show. Uh, make sure you keep up with us. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with another show, so hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Uh, you can also follow up with us on social media. Give us some of your player comps. We want to know who you see in a prospect uh, for, for somebody who may have caught your eye uh, so far this season. You can do so. Joe is at the Joe Marino on Twitter. I am at NDT Scouting on Twitter. Uh, you can keep up with all the latest stuff we're putting up on the NDT Scouting website over at our uh, official Twitter page for NDT Scouting, which is at NDT Scouting LLC. You can also just visit the website. Now we got a lot of great nuggets there for you. You can catch up with the uh, the, the college football bowl pick'em rankings, and uh, you know we're really starting to dig into the film. So we're going to try and bring you guys game notes and, and player notes. And as far as specific traits and, and player comparisons and looking into teams and what, what prospects some teams may be looking at. So there's, there's a lot of great stuff to look forward to. Highly encourage you guys to check that out as well. I am Kyle Crabb signing off with Joe Marino. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast. We'll catch up with you all on Wednesday. I am just an icon living. I am just an icon reached the high fashion hotline hi my family's going to a concert in the park and we want our style to be the main attraction rock over to old navy old navy yep right now get up to 50 percent off jeans from 15 bucks for adults 10 bucks for kids at old navy and old navy.com up to 50 percent off jeans for the family that's music to my ears plus now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online pick up in store it's fun fast and free styles that take center stage and free pickup in store when i buy online old navy here we come high fashion old navy about 720 to 729 select styles only Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.